Okay. Good afternoon, folks. Another exciting episode of the Metaphysical Mysteries with Tom Greenhall, Terry Trueblood, and we have an amazing guest with us today, Taffany Hicks. She's from the beautiful state of Kentucky. And uh, Taffany, I know you have a, a tremendous background in as a psychic medium. Uh, you cover a wide variety of things, uh, and you've also got books, and we'll show some of those here on the podcast today. So if people are interested as they get through the podcast, they can make that uh, part of their library if they so choose. And hopefully they will. After hearing you, I'm sure they will. So uh, I will say that I've known uh, Taffany uh, through various uh, readings of, uh, well, myself and some friends as well. And uh, they very impressive. Very, very impressive. And uh, so I'm going to let you, Taffany, just go ahead and uh, do a little self-introduction, kind of maybe your background, where you come from, you know, education, professional stuff, and what you've been doing as far as this particular um, metaphysical use of uh, your psychic and mediumship talents. Okay, sure. Um, thank you so much for that. Uh, first thing is, you know, I was really born... A psychic medium. I, I don't really know any other way of life. However, no one explained that to me as a child. So, you know, children have this instinct of how to keep their mouth shut, um, of all the things that they experience that are spiritual. We just sort of instinctually know we're a little different than adults. So I really kept those things to myself and I was in my early 20s, uh, married, a first child, and really after my first child was born, the dam broke for me. Uh, I wasn't able to hide it, keep it in a closet. Um, you know, I was hearing audibly, I was feeling, I was sensing all, all of the things that mediums do. And up until that point, I had had a very religious background, really looking for God everywhere. Um, primarily Southern Baptist, baptized in, in the faith. Um, but I went to every church looking for God. And when I did get baptized, a lot of my gifts ceased for a while. And I thought, oh, good, because I don't have to deal with dark spirits. I don't have to deal with demonics or lost souls anymore. So I do believe that that gave me um, a wall of protection that I didn't have before. Um, also, I was never really taught who God was. I just always knew from the time I can remember, I knew who God was. I spoke to God, I prayed to God, I talked to God, even as a little bitty girl. So I had that trust there that was established. Um, so when I had my first son and the dam broke, it really went against all belief systems that <laughs> I had put myself into. And my husband at the time, my ex-husband now, um, he was Pentecostal. And even though his family was extremely supportive of me, he didn't get me at all. So, um, I, you know, I began this series of contemplation and praying because I knew that working for doctors in the path that I was on wasn't my higher calling. And so I remember praying and asking God, you know, what do you want me to do down here? Just tell me. I'll, whatever it is, I love you with all my heart. I'll do it. 
And I remember God saying to me, speaking in my heart, I want you to do session work and I want you to be a medium. And I said, uh, can you give me something else? <laughs> and God said, no, this is, this is why you came. So I began a massage therapy school and, um, I'm a board licensed massage therapist and, you know, I take training every two years for my CEUs. Um, I'm a Reiki master teacher. And so I've taught several students, love my students. Uh, I do arcing light therapy. I do holistic medicine. I'm a doula. So I help women give birth naturally if they choose. Um, and then I work as an exorcist and I do what's called spiritual response therapy that was founded by Dr. Robert Detzler. And it's some of the most brilliant work that I think I've ever seen on the planet. It, it actually accesses Akashic files and we can go into past life traumas, this life traumas, uh, blocks, genetic curses and, and um, all of those things that need to be cleared and worked out through our soul contract. So, uh, you know, I've seen people overcome and accomplish things through spiritual response therapy work that they've spent years and years and years in, uh, you know, with a psychologist, psychiatrist. And I'm, I'm not uh, discrediting MDs at all. What I'm saying is there's a very spiritual element to medicine. And sometimes it's a really fine line between the spiritual world in the dimensions and the third dimensional planet and where that cellular structure is manipulated by energetic or spiritual matter. And that's where spiritual response therapy really works well. And, and the good thing about that clearing technique is also that, you know, I did the old fashioned exorcism years ago. They're messy. They're hard. They're, scary for people and with this response therapy work we're able to go in very gently very carefully very clearly and perform the rites of exorcism where it's not as devastating and uh, frightening to the people who have that particular possession what was the name of the doctor he said robert what the dr robert Detzler. Mm -hmm. and he D-E-T-Z-L-E-R, and he's brilliant. And um, I will also tell you that Dr. Robert Copen, K-O-P-E-N, he's in Arizona, is a colleague of mine. Um, I think he's probably in his 70s. He mm -hmm. trained right under Dr. Robert Detzler. And so if there are really intense cases that I'm working on um, or that I feel like Dr. Copen is more equipped to handle than me, um, I stand his way and he's brilliant. I think he's authored a book or several books. I haven't read them, but he is a very, very um, good source of information. He's one of the kindest, most loving uh, spiritual beings I've ever met. And he's Pleiadian. He's Pleiadian. So um, the, the average person that's going to get a hold of you, um, mm -hmm. what do they normally look for? I mean, when, with a reading, that, you know, your bread and butter, I guess I'll call it for blue plate special. Okay. Sometimes I call it. Yeah. Okay. Well, usually, um, you know, they can contact me. We'll, we'll set up. They're welcome to text me or email me. I can give you the information at the end, like we talked about. Um, 
and I book, I'm booked about two to three months out right now. So I don't really like to know anything about my clients. I really want to go in totally clear listening to spirit team. So before I do a reading, I clear my space and I call in their high team or their spirit team. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, there's always ancestors present. Um, there's angels and spirit guides, and they just line up in front of me. And I do not have to read a person in person. Uh, you know, with the COVID crisis, I'm still able to work and help people. So I've been really blessed because actually I would prefer to work via phone if I, if I can. Um, so I can access all of those energies. And when we get on the phone, there's a couple of things that I tell them. Number one, the information is strictly confidential. You know, um, that belongs to them. That's their information. And Terry, you may have this too. When you channel, you don't remember it anyway. So it comes through your brain and out your mouth and that's it. Um, The other thing that I tell them is that I will never, ever lie or withhold information from you. And here is the difference that I feel between a psychic reading and a medium reading, just in my point of view in 21 years. Do I use my psychic ability? Yes. Um, I do psychometry. I can read energies. I, I have that psychic part of my brain. But I'm also a medium, so I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, and claircognizant. And me, uh, all of me, I'm going to stop you for just a second, just for our listeners, because they are, you know, maybe just getting into this, maybe the first ever okay. podcast. And so um, the lingo that we all are very comfortable with, they they may not know yet. Yeah. So let me just re- restate a couple of things. When mm-hmm. she talks about being a medium, um, the, I mean, the actual name comes from uh, people on the other side that she's talking to have a very high vibration. And then, you know, we have a much lower vibration here mm-hmm. and, and you got to bring your vibration up. They got to bring theirs down a little bit to meet in the middle and thus the name right. medium. And so a medium is actually talking to a, another entity, another deceased person is what we typically would think of to relay messages um, to the, the what we would consider a living person, although everybody is alive, just not in body at the time. Uh, whereas a psychic, as, as Taffney was putting it, she's reading the energies around people, around things, objects, buildings, it can be a whole number of things. So, uh, and, and I think I've mentioned this before in some podcasts, but every medium is a psychic but not every psychic is a medium. Bingo. And, and so that's really important. And then as she's talking about the different clairs, we generally, at the population, if you're familiar with clairvoyance, I mean, we kind of bundle that all together and call it clairvoyance. But as Stephanie's putting, putting it, clairvoyance is actually clear seeing, French term. Um, and then you've got your clear hearing, clear audience. And then as you go through clairsentience where you're feeling, and there's one for taste, one for smell, not to belate the problem here, but, but uh, that's really what she's talking about, folks. And some people are born with these things. Some people develop these things, and they usually have more than one. They typically have a primary, and then other ones that are your secondary, third, you know, people. You get it from all sources because energies are energies, and they're trying to use any of your uh, receiving factors that you have in your body to transmit en- information to you. So anyway, I wanted to stop you for just a second, just to get our caught up. So you're, you're right on track. Yeah. Awesome. 
Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you explained that. And, um, you know, being a, a medium, I'm totally reliant on that person's spirit team. And, and that's why I tell people, I won't ever hide anything from you because it's my job to deliver. I'm the speakerphone. That's what the angels call me, speakerphone. That's it. And it's my job to sit in the center and relay the message as purely as I can um, and not hold anything back. Even, <clears throat> even if I have to talk about exit doors, even if I have to talk about um, about exit work, you're talking about potentially death of somebody out of yes. dying in their from their current body. They're going to die, yes. and, and you're going to let the people know that this is a possibility or probability um, yes. in their life, and they need to be ready to hear something as important as that. Because then the question becomes: um, Would the spirit guides, the angels, uh, you know, your people? Why would they tell you that? My answer to them is because they know you can handle it. Otherwise, yes. they, they might not, I, you know. Exactly. And can I go a little bit in depth in that? Yeah, absolutely. Since, since you, Please. You know, um, first of all, we all have a soul contract. And, you know, we are 20% fate and destiny. We're 80% we're free will. And we choose our parents. We choose our bloodlines. And in every bloodline, we have a blessing and a curse. And in that bloodline, we use the curses to uh, grow our soul because we come down here to grow our soul and to grow back into the state of Christ consciousness, right? The higher state that we come from. Right. And we do that through experience on the planet. Now, you know, we, we also choose our soulmates, we choose our soul lessons, and we choose our soul purpose. And our soul purpose is so important. Um, I know you guys remember a couple of years ago, maybe it was 15 or 20 years ago now, I don't know, time flies so fast anymore. Uh, a Purpose Driven Life. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that a Christian book that came out? Right. And so you could see this way of higher consciousness come through Christianity because our sole purpose is so important. It's, it's when we reach out to humanity, our brothers and sisters that we're always connected to, and we offer our services. We offer some part of us to serve. And what happens is that in that serving, we grow in spiritual consciousness, but also it builds our relationship, our real relationship. It helps us remember God, and it helps us remember where we come from. And so the soul purpose is super important down here. So anyway, in, in our soul contract, we have what's called potential exit doors. And those are exit points where if things are not going as planned, if we're totally off track and not listening to Holy Spirit's directive or, you know, our higher self directive or whatever you want to call it, and we're creating tremendous amounts of karma we have the ability to scrap our soul contract and go home. Right. Now, what I tell people, when I tell people that they were in an exit door, you know, the closest thing to our soul contract is our astrological chart. So if you want to know what you agree to, get a really good astrologer to read your chart because it's bang on. And so I tell people, when you're at a potential exit door, you know, you, you've got some aspects going on in your astrological chart, and it's an opportunity. And if you're not aware of it, you could take the exit door and leave. 
and uh, you might not be happy about it when you get to the other side. But if you're aware, you can become extremely cautious and you can become very um, meditative and contemplating and praying on this and you can avoid it. But it's a split second decision where the soul decides, I want to stay or I want to go. And I've had three of those in my life. Mm -hmm. And so when I tell people that, they call me back and they're like, Taff, it happened. And, and it was a split second decision. And, and this is how it worked out. So I think that um, exit doors are extremely real. And when we get to the last one, it's kind of like my granddad said, get my walking papers. This is it. You know, yeah. we, we know, I think God deals with in our soul and our mind and our consciousness. And there's a preparatory process that spirit world puts us through. Uh, you know, there's a transitory period where most people are seeing spirit world. They're seeing them in their dreams. They're visiting. They're getting ready to make the transition home. And that's usually what we see in, in elderly or people that are very sick. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You're, you're correct. A hundred percent. And uh, I always tell people on average, most people I see have about five uh, exits, yeah. like interstate exits. And if they choose to take mm -hmm. it, they do. And Tom and I working in law enforcement for as many years as we have and specifically in dive rescue work um, right. is we're both, you know, in the emergency medical stuff as well, you know, but the dive rescue work, especially uh, over all the other ones, even I think, highlights that early exit possibility because we yeah. end up getting you know babies and you get teenagers and all these things and as i've taken a chance to reflect on the i can't even count the number of people we've recovered underwater um or even tried to rescue but almost always there is a, a, some elements in their life that has gone astray and mm -hmm. so it becomes fairly typical to see that as you go progress through that Tom would you say that's about right I mean um, that we have those kinds of similarities in some of these cases yeah if you go back and look at the history of people if you have access to it you'll find that there are sometimes that uh, things aren't going quite the way you would hope they would go for that person right, right. my uncle I had a, had a uh, uncle used to say well I'm next on the menu <laughs> <laughs> no that's funny yeah so, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. I think it's something to be extremely aware of. And, you know, the other thing as far as, and, and I really feel like this is so good that we talked about this before people book readings with me, because I never want people to be afraid. I want them to understand. And so, you know, sometimes sicknesses come up. And one of the things that I've learned in 21 years of being a practicing medium is when we're warned by spirit, you know, hey, because I, I do holistic medicine. So when they say, hey, uh, there's, there's gonna be a potential cancer in uh, the lymphatic left side under the armpit, whatever. They give me those details. And most of the time they give me the remedies to get rid of it before it actually begins to manifest. And if the people don't learn to listen to what comes through in the reading, guess what happens? Well, it manifests yep. and it's there. And, and I, I tell people, you know, spirit is giving you the option to avoid it. It's giving you the option to know about it now. So you can just sidestep it and you don't have to experience that unless you really want to experience that. Right. And sometimes I think that 
that those things are in our soul contracts. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about soul contracts with the clearing work is we can take a huge step forward in consciousness and with, we just get it. We got a huge lesson and there are several difficult things within our contract that we don't even have to experience now right. because we, we rose above that on some level. So, right. yeah. And you know, one of the other things that I just want to touch on before we move to another subject here um, is something that's very near and dear to my heart about soul contracts. Um, being in the Christian world, and, I, and, and there's, there's no um, negativity when I, when I say this, okay? There's no judgment. I'm not passing judgment at all. But there is no perfect anything on planet Earth. And it's all corruptible and it's all destructible. And we don't really quite have anything perfect. So I want to say that first. I want to preface that by saying that. Second of all, I want to say that when the parents that have a four-year-old child that died from cancer don't understand why she died and they go to the pastor and say, why did God take my child? There are mass murders. There, there are you know, all these people that, that just don't even know you, God. Why did you take my child? Um, and sometimes the only answer the pastors have to say because they don't know anything else other than what they've been taught is, I don't know. You got to trust God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that, uh, being, being the step parent of losing a child. That's a little bit bogus. And yeah. what I mean by that, what I mean by that is I was so grateful to be a medium And to understand, um, I'm sorry, um, soul contracts, right. because it makes everything make sense. And so if um, a medium or a spiritualist had set the parents down and said, look, according to her astrological chart and according to her soul contract, it looks like she's a teacher and she was a really bright light that agreed to come down here to the planet and change everybody's lives that she touched, mm -hmm. then the parents get it. Because what happens is I think when there's no answer, when there's that missing piece of the puzzle of the soul contract, the parents say, okay, I'm supposed to believe God loves me unconditionally, but he took my child. And it doesn't make sense, right? right. Yeah, I totally, I mean, so, I got to tell you, I totally agree. I mean, I'm a father of a, I'm a, of a loss uh, in a, a daughter. And uh, so I, fortunately I knew that I, you know, had those same gifts. And so I had many talks with her um, about that before she ever exited. And, you know, and I yeah. told her I, I was going to be perfectly fine, you know, I, and, and this was going to, you know, be something that um, if she stayed on this path without changing, um, this was going to occur. And there was no doubt in my mind about that. And so when it actually did occur, interesting enough, she actually, as I was driving to the hospital with my wife, she actually came to me as I was driving. And she wow. gave me quite the message before we ever even got there. And, you know, had a 
unplug her, so to speak, um, as they say. So many parents go through that, and it could be absolutely tragic. It's not that it's not tragic. It's just that if you have the ability or somebody who will intercede for you who does have the ability, and you can still have that conversation. I think that's what makes, um, like what Teresa Caputo does, uh, Long Island Medium, I think that's what it makes very, very popular is they get a chance to hear from their loved one, which they didn't think they could. And uh, when I do give those messages, people ask me, well, why would my dad come to you? I mean, now, and I said, listen, think of it like a desert and there's telephone booth out there. What do you do when you see a telephone booth? You go in there and you start calling up friends and family. I said, I'm the telephone booth. That's That's right. And he took advantage of me being in proximity to you. Exactly. And, you know, that's another thing uh, with being a medium is we don't run the show. Right. Not at all. We are the speakerphone. And spirit always has an agenda. And spirit always has the perfect timing. And, um yeah, that's 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 so beautiful. That's so right on. You know, I'm I'm glad that we brought that up because this is going to be one of the books I'm going to start writing in January. And um, there have been there's been a really an epidemic of about our age, you know, losing our children um, uh, across the planet and definitely here in the United States. And so the last couple of years, I've done many reconnections for people that have lost their children, and I have five courageous, beautiful, loving women that have lost their sons. And um, these sons come through with these powerful messages, powerful information, transformative for, for even me, you know, just being the speakerphone listening. I've learned so much in session and from the other side. And so, um, you know, spirit just moved me. And I asked these women, look, your children are brilliant. And they're delivering powerful messages that I really think the planet needs to hear. How do you feel about you going through all of your notes, whether I've read you for a year or five years? And how about you pull out the most, very most important information that you know people want to hear? And then we'll fill in that with more session work from that spirit. And let's put it in a book and let's give it to the people and let's create a movement. Because one of the things that I have learned for people that are losing their children and really just coming into spirituality, you know, for many people, it broke them into spirituality. For us, we were already in it. We were blessed that we got all of the stuff, right? But, but for them, they didn't. And there's going to be so many more people who, um, you know, with the epidemic of drugs uh, across the United States and so many uh, are just checking out with these exit doors, these potential exit doors, we're going to have a lot of people go through that. And so I said to them, the most important thing is when you can connect to your child. It's one thing to connect through me, which I'm just the beginning of the connection. I'm just here to get you started. I'm here to give you the confirmation. I'm here to give you the messages. I'm here to help build your belief system in, in the next world. And once we get that done and get you to that plateau, the real deal is for you to connect with your child. And that's the most important part, right? So I I guess I try to get them to that point. And I think that by doing this book and creating this movement, you know, I've had visions of them up there sharing their stories. I've seen a lot of people in the audience, hundreds of people. And I think what if grief could be dissipated? 
Yeah, I want to say that, you know, in America, especially, we're horrible about preparing our children for death, to see their yep. grandparents die, to see the parents die, to siblings die, other friends, family. We're horrible at it. The, the church yep. has scared the bejesus out of them in yep. a lot of cases. And, um, you know, if they didn't do this, they're going to go to hell. If they didn't do that, they're going to go to hell, you know, and they're going to pray you out of limbo and all these other things. And um, that fear-based system is so contrary to going to the Eastern cultures in uh, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, and so forth. Um, they're much better off uh, from an emotional point of view after the fact that, because they were prepped for that since they were little kids. And we just haven't done a very good job at it. And I think the reason for that is, honestly, is the belief or disbelief in reincarnation and continuation of life. Yeah. And if yeah. they believe that, then it's, you know, easy. And, you know, I go to a biblical passage where basically said one of them was, uh, the Lord says, revenge is mine, saith the Lord, you know, that kind of thing. Well, the revenge, when we're talking about somebody did something to you karmically, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that doesn't necessarily mean it's in that lifetime. But that soul will go down those lines. If they did something, they're going to have to have an action reaction to that um, down the line. And so you read the Bible from a, a reincarnation point of view, it has a whole new meaning. And, and, and not, reincarnation is all in the Bible. It I is taught a whole class on it. Yeah. The, the Catholic Church taught it up until I think 486. But, you know, they, they got the concept of, well, if you really think you only got one shot at it. Got more control. And that's exactly right. And yep. so they, they, they took that away from us. You know, you're, to, you're totally spot on with that. So I do think that the new generations coming up, the millennials, are more spiritually aware. You know, my daughter's 20. All of my children are born mediums. My mother, my mother's mother, my mother's mother's mother. And it runs straight through my bloodline, never misses a generation. And so, you know, my daughter Tiffany said to me uh, a couple of months ago, she said, Mom, if you don't know your son's son in my generation, something's really wrong with you. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think, and I, and I also think too, Terry, I'm glad you brought that up because there are less people in the churches right now than they've, than they've ever had. And I mean, I attend an Episcopal church. It's the sweetest little most loving church I've ever been to. And Mr. David, who passed away, who was a bright light in that church, um, he, he stated that. And I think the reason for that is, I think we're growing past the old doctrine. Yep. And I think that there's a huge gap in where our consciousness has went and with what they're repeating over and over and over and over in churches. And I think that the spirituality and the concepts of spirituality is filling in all the gaps. And it's saying, okay, let's take this to the very next level. Jesus said, you know, what you sow, so shall you reap. Well, he taught karma. It's a law of the universe. God doesn't punish us. We do it to ourselves. And right. when we agree to that soul contract, we're agreeing to the laws of the universe. So, yeah. And so I think... I think, you know, uh, even with the word sin, it's just been hounded to death and it just really means to miss the mark. Right. And we all miss the mark because we have an ego to contend with. But if we're consciously growing and we're consciously working ourselves, then our ego shrinks and our spiritual fruits grow. Right. And that's the whole point. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about this all for the purpose of helping people make their way through life in a little bit better way. Now, Tom is a, a clinical therapist and he sees all these folks coming in. Uh, you and I kind of do it from a more spiritual perspective, but we're all trying to get to the same thing. And Tom, I'll let you chime in here. Does this stuff all ringing true for, for your practice? Absolutely. It's very much spot on. And what I was going to ask, Kathy, uh, is I'm working with a person now who has a 17-year-old daughter who passed her sleep. No history. Yep. How would you suggest for those listening that are in the clinical world, how could you integrate the skills you bring to the table to a case like that? Well, the first thing that I would say is there was some sort of an agreement between the soul and the body. And I don't believe that there are any such thing as mistakes or accidents in the universe. I believe that it all occurs. But I do believe that there's an answer for why she chose to leave when she left. And I think that there's a huge aftershock and after effect that is a major lesson through her passing. Um, yeah, I, I got a full disclosure. I've also, you know, interacted with this client as well. And I think, you know, one of the challenges when you have this situation is almost they're fighting their religious upbringing. They're just yeah. completely befuddled. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't know oftentimes, and this is not particularly to this client, but they, this is a lot of them. They just don't know where that person's at or if it's it, that's it. There's nothing else. Well, um, I was going to say, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Terry. I didn't well, and, and the most pressing question that I always get time and time again is, is my kid in hell exactly that's the number yeah, one and, that's been preached well and i was thinking you know she passed there's no mistake in her passing and it like i said it's that shock it's that it's that after effect it's gonna uh change them it's gonna change their consciousness the way they look at things the way they look at god and you know sometimes those things happen because she had this is what i'm getting she has a soul contract with her parents to alter their consciousness and take them to a higher state of awareness. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for us, a physical body, the angels always say, is like a pair of clothes. So we can have as many outfits as we need to get the job done. And what I hear is they're going to struggle with that. And they're going to struggle with that until the grief is to the point that they have to get in, they have to give in and open their mind. And when they begin to open their mind, I think the Holy Spirit will lay them a breadcrumb trail. That's what I'm hearing of things that make sense. And the other thing is, I feel like there's a really thick wall between her and her parents. And that wall is grief and not understanding. And I tell people, if there's disbelief and there's so much grief they can't get through to you no matter how loud they yell no matter what they do and I think that she doesn't want them to suffer however she knows that in their suffering comes their illumination I agree and and you know one of the things I often do with these folks is I recommend I, and I don't like to recommend books oftentimes I like people to naturally organically find them but sometimes if they ask I will and I might read a hundred and only recommend one I'm that I'm that guy right. 
Um, but I recommended Journey of Souls, Dr. Michael Newton, PhD, a tremendous right. book for an entry-level person who needs mm -hmm. to get a grander concept of the travelings of a soul. And then they mm -hmm. can apply that, you know, with, I think he did 3,000 past life regressions. So that's a big chunk of people to get the concepts down from all those, all those experiences. And they can take and apply that to their situation and start that process of gathering some peace. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And can I, can I just throw this out there too? Um, one of the things that I have learned whenever, I think whenever a child dies and there's such a shock, you want to connect with them so bad, but you want to know that it's absolutely as real as it can be. And one of the women that I channel for, I, I've channeled for her for several years before her son ever died. His name is Bo. And Bo was a heroin user, had a lot of abuse from his dad, gorgeous, gorgeous man, bright light. He would go into these rehab centers, be the brightest light, get everybody on track, but, but Bo just didn't know how to love himself. And so um, I was channeling for her and Bo overdosed on heroin. And so Bo has been in a place, uh, and Terry, you may have seen this, uh, the spirits call it the processing center to me. Yeah. It's about level three in the light. Okay. And so, and maybe, maybe I should say what level one and level two is according yeah, to I what think, they've explained. Yeah a, me, back, okay. yeah. a little background would be helpful because people don't understand those layers. Right. When I tell people that there's a hospital, a place for them to go and get rehabilitation that they really yes, need, absolutely. they don't understand that exactly. Exactly. So level, level one in the light is where they do get across. They, they do make the conscious uh, uh, choice to go into the light and receive God on, on whatever level and not say earthbound. Uh, that's what we call the dead, which is a discarnated entity that just stays on the earth for various reasons. So when they're in the first level of light, they, they're very, very connected to what they left behind. They're connected to their earthly belongings, if people are hurting, what's going on, did I leave a mess, you know, all of those things. And um, in level two, that is a level where they have to trust. They have to trust God and they have to trust the divine plan and they let go of what they left and they let go of people hurting and they choose to step forward into the light, knowing that their loved ones are going to be okay. Okay. And this was um, a huge deal. When my stepson, Nathan, came to me, he had been level, level one for a while. He died tragically in a, in a fiery car crash, just like the angels told us he was going to two years before if he didn't change his path. That was one of those uh, potential exit doors if he didn't change. And you know the famous last words, I got this. Well, yeah. So um, Nathan kind of left things in a mess, and a lot of people were hurt. But he worked through it, and he came to me in a white robe. <laughs> and he was beautiful. He was so beautiful. And he said to me, I did it, Taff. I did it. I, I made it to the second level, and I trusted Christ. So I knew that for him... Growing up as a Christian, Christ was his, um, you know, go-between, and that's what he could connect to was that Christ consciousness. So he went over. 
Now, level three is, um, it's a processing center. It's a place where we sit down with our spirit team, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever uh, is needed there. And we evaluate our soul contract based on, okay, what, what did we accomplish? What karma did we balance? What lessons did we learn? It's not that day of judgment that we're told about where God stands at a podium and condemns us, right? right? So being in the processing center is really a beautiful place because it's working through those those things. So um, I think when a soul makes it to that point, they're really doing the work. Sometimes they decide, okay, I'm going to future incarnate, but I'm not going to do it now. Or sometimes they'll look at other soul contracts or sometimes they work with people on the earth to become spirit guides to guide their people to that to that point so back to Rhonda um so you know she had the believability she had the faith I channeled for her for a long time and Bo finally came out of the processing center and he came in in our last session about a month or two ago and he was just barreling through with all of this fantastic information I was just glued to him you know I was learning so much and um, at the end of the session, Rhonda said, I want Bo to tell me something that only I would know. Give, give you something that only I would know so that I know it's him. And he said, that, well, the first, he showed me, he didn't say anything. He showed me a key ring with keys, and then he showed me a keychain. And then he zoomed in my vision on that keychain. And I said, Rhonda, it's, it's some, I can't make out the shape, but it has a little bit of a longer shape to it, I think. And I said, I think it's kind of bronzy, but the shape is so important. It's a symbol or an image of something that Bo is saying, you'll know it. And I said, Rhonda, does he have keychains? And she said, he has lots of keychains. He loves keychains. I'll go through his keychain. And she said, is there anything else? And Bo just kept showing me this, like emphasizing it over and over and Rhonda said, well, I wish there had been more. And Bo immediately said to me, she's not ready. And he walked out of the session. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite know how to relay that to her because I did not want to hurt her or upset her. Right. Well, a, a couple of weeks later, Rhonda texted me. She found the keychain and it was sent in Bo's honor in his name. To her she had forgotten about it in the mail and it was a dragonfly kind of a bronzy looking dragonfly and it had the story written of the dragonfly comparing it to what happens with life after death and when we cross over and how the dragonfly gets up on the um the little lily pad i think and it changes into this beautiful um being with wings and it tries so hard to penetrate the water to show all of its family members where it is, but it can't penetrate the water. And no matter how hard it tries, it can't show itself. So they can't see it. So they think it's gone. And it, it was so, um, it was just so on point for Bo and it was so spot on. And so here's my point to all of that. You can counsel and counsel and counsel. <laughs> the spirits can come through. They can give us all kinds of confirmations, which they do. But at some point, we have to believe. 
We have to make that decision within ourselves. Do I know that I am an infinite being that goes on and on and on, and I am connected to everything and everybody in the cosmos, and I help create everything because Genesis says we were there. We were there, right? So, so we have to make the decision. And, you know, truly what I think that means is we choose to live. Because when we know that they're alive and we know that death is no big deal and they just pass through a veil and they're still there loving us and they're all around us, that's when we choose to really live infinitely within ourselves and then outside of our body when we get there too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you had a brand new, Mm -hmm. I call it medium, somebody who just discovered their skill set what would you tell them to do would be a good exercise for them to get better and better at these things? Work with people that you trust and love you unconditionally, because I'm going to tell you something about being a psychic medium. Um, I had to battle a lot of fear, you know, and being burned at the stake in another lifetime as a witch didn't help any. (laughs) So I had to overcome that uh, past life traumas around, mediumship and really I think that it's the human ego and consciousness cutting us off from our divine nature which Mm -hmm. is never appropriate or cool but it's happened throughout history and so fear blocks us fear shuts us down we can have fantastic amazing abilities but if we're scared uh you know it's going to be hard to get anything and then the doubt's going to creep in So what I tell people is work with someone that can be a teacher or a confidant or a friend that um, can support you in the role without any pressure. I would not say start out reading people. That's not what I would say. I would say learn your power, learn how your brain works, and learn how they access your brain because for me... um, I think every medium is probably a little different, but for me, Carrie, it may be the same thing, but the angels stand in the middle of the room and different bloodlines will stand on different sides of the room so that I can differentiate and, and that they have a certain way of communicating with me. All of those things need to be established. And, you know, I've said before, it's a shame we don't have a Hogwarts. And I mean that in a serious way, not in a woo-woo, it's not real way. Because we need to be able to harness these abilities and work with these abilities. The military has done it. The government has done it. There's been remote years forever. I mean, you know, we are known about, yeah, we are known about, we've just been sort of kept under, under wraps, you know? So, but I think that we're fixing to see an entirely new age. And I would support any psychic medium stepping into his or her abilities and, would love to help them and really would love one day to set up a school to be able to help them work with their abilities because there's a chapter in the Bible in Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12, Gifts of the Spirit, right? And, um, you know, it talks about some are healers, some prophesy, some, um, I think, dream dreams. We, We all have these abilities. And then it goes on to say, some of us are an eye and some of us are a hand. Basically, we make up the body. Gotcha. And why would we not want to uplift each other 
and support each other in each other's abilities because it helps the whole. We grow as a consciousness. And, you know, one of the things that the angels have said to me, Terry, and, and you may be getting the same message, is the last 10 years, the message has been shift or get off the planet. Yep. Because yep. we're overpopulated. There's a lot of souls down here. And if people are not doing their work and they're not growing, they got to go because there's other souls that want to come in. Yeah, the concept of uh, December 21st, 2012, uh, with the Mayan calendar as being a change into a new age, well, certainly it was. Um, and I have seen so many people from basically, that's basically 2013 on, get their light switch flipped on, and they're lost. They don't know what to do. And the, as people call them, indigo kids, and for the listeners who don't know what indigos are, they're people who just got a lot of psychic abilities, healing abilities, right. music abilities, and right. they call them, I don't know where they come up with the names, but they call them indigo kids. They have no mentors in the numbers necessary. And those are going to be people that are in our age bracket um, yeah. that are going to have to help them because it's quite um, unnerving to try to navigate as a child uh, or a young person with these skill sets and nobody believe you and you not know which direction to go. So I always say it, it would be, it's a God's gift that is handed out to these folks uh, and to um, spit on a God's gift or throw it away or discard it is most rude to begin with. And loss for society as a whole, because truly they need to learn how to use it for themselves. They need to use it, yeah. know how to use it for their family and friends yeah. and use it for mankind as a whole. And Absolutely. that's the job of people who are already there to mentor the next, no different than any other kind of apprenticeship journeyman level and master level like plumbers do or electricians do, you know, right. really need to go see people. And, and, uh, I think there's plenty of folks out there that are qualified it, organizing them, but using technology like we're doing now may be one of the best ways to do it. Brick and mortar would be fine, except no matter where you place it, it's not going to be in the center of anything. Uh, people right. come to you and that would be really expensive, really challenging. But I do know uh, people that are doing it uh, remotely uh, through Zoom and other things, and it's been pretty successful for them. Nothing ever uh, takes the place of being one-on-one -on -one with somebody or, you know, a class of six-on-one with an instructor. Um, but I think you could also do those in conferences, seminars, a summer right. camp, if you will, uh, to yeah. do that kind of thing. The Edgar Casey group, you know, they do a summer camp, uh, and certainly that's part of it. But uh, Yeah, that yeah. Would, I think that's excellent. So, Terry, are you... <laughs> Are you saying you're signing on for that? <laughs> I think I signed on a long time ago for that. Whether I, <laughs> it's I think you of, did too. You know, getting that all put together in the right place, and I think I think it's coming. It's going to have to come, and and uh, in a lot of different ways. But uh, but I do want to go back to one thing you talked about, and this related to bloodlines. A couple of things come to mind as we talk about bloodlines. As I've interviewed and Tom and I've worked with a number of people, they all seem to say, hey, my mom did this, my dad did this, or it went back four generations on one side, seven generations on another. Um, genetically, I always thought and that would be interesting if you had like 23andMe or Ancestry, to yeah. actually look at the DNA of people who say they are empaths of some sort. Uh, yeah. to see if there is that string in there, that little piece of genetic material that makes them that way. I think there'll be a fascinating study. 
And I think there's enough people who would be more than happy to provide uh, saliva <laughs> for that kind of a test. Absolutely. And then uh, secondly, the bloodlines, I think people need to understand um, curses. I mean, in the Bible, they call them curses. Uh, I don't know. Some people call them differently that work in this field. I'll let you answer for yourself. But um, when people have a curse, what are some, and you've done this as an exorcist and other uh, therapists, but what are the signs and symptoms that you typically see? And do these go back on just the mother side, father side, both sides, or how do you, how do you deal with the whole bloodline thing? Well, I think, I think every bloodline has a blessing and a curse. And, and like I said, you know, we choose that. Those curses are what um, really puts us through the fire, if, if you will, once you know how to work with them to purify us and then help us accomplish our goals. And the, the blessings are sort of the, of the reward. And, you know, the Bible talks a lot about what we do affects the next seven generations. And you remember the story of Rahab in the Bible, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So she made that one decision to give shelter to the spies. And then when they took over the city, they spared her. I think she married one of the spies. And then so many generations down was King David. So, and she was a prostitute in the Bible. So her one decision shifted the course of everything. And, you know, the Native Americans say they don't make any decision until they look at how it's going to affect the next seven generations or four generations, at least four. So they're extremely conscious beings, right? But we're not really, um, we're not really taught that, I don't think, in the Christian faith that we're affecting our, our generations on down, our descendants. So the patterning is what we look at. And I will give you um, an example. It runs through the females of my bloodline. We're medium. We can manifest. We can work hard. But my mother has been widowed and divorced. She had to work two jobs, raise five kids, very independent woman, intelligent woman, property owner, didn't take one penny from anybody but a bank and paid it back. So her mother was the same way. My grandmother was widowed three times. Property owner, raised kids, strong woman, hard worker. My great-grandmother was the same way. So hopefully I've cleared that out so I don't lose my husband anytime soon. <laughs> you know, but I, I did go through a divorce and I did buy my husband out of the farm and I did work my business and I raised my kids and um, very, very hard working. And it's not that I mind working hard. I'm a devil Virgo. All I know how to do is work, right? I get up thinking, what's the schedule? What are we going to do today? But at the same time, there's not a lot of balance in that. And that's why I see it as a curse is because um, the lesson has been learned. It's no longer needed. Now we got to bring this into balance. It's, it's good to work hard and it's good to own property and it's good to take care of your children, but it's also nice to have a mate that lasts. And, it, and it's nice to have your spiritual partner. And so I don't know exactly when that started in my bloodline, but it's very, very um, dominant through the women in my bloodline. So I hope that I've eradicated that and my daughter doesn't have to have that same pattern. Alcoholism is a pattern. Um, drug addiction, abandonment, it can, can be a pattern where um, the mothers leave in every generation or the fathers will leave and the men have to step up and then they step up and then they leave. And so what we're looking to in curses and blessings 
is a type of patterning or an imprint that recurs over and over and over through every generation of that family. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, there's the old, uh, it's kind of more of a joke than anything. It said, yeah, my curse was my parents <laughs> and my blessing was my parents. Yes, that's so true. That, yeah. That's so true. And that's coming full circle, don't you think? Absolutely. And I, I tell people, listen, this earth is a place of contrasts, hot, cold, sweet, and sour, salt, and pepper. Without contrast, you're not going to learn anything. So if you have challenges with your parents, that will be your blessing in the end that you did because there was things you had to overcome. Um, That's right. Growth of your soul. Everybody's agreed to it. And the big powwow on the other side before we all That's came right. in. And That's so why we want if you look at it from that perspective, you have to look at it and go, okay, what have I learned from this uh, parent that's just caused me havoc? You know, what I think is that. And it may not be. You may have great parents, and that's never happened. But there is going to always be the two sides of that, you know, no question. Yes. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's why we choose our parents. And when I tell people sometimes, listen, you had a soul contract and you chose your parents, they're like, oh, I so did not. I said, no, you so did. <laughs> you so, <laughs> you so did. did. But, you know, the, be the beautiful thing in that I tell people is, listen, you're not being zapped by God. And, and, and there's not this powerful force doing all these difficult things to you that you, you know, that, uh, that you can't understand. What it means is if you chose it on the other side before you came in, then that must mean you can do it. Well, I always use the Jesus thing. Do you not think he chose Mary? Absolutely. God said he did. You know, Absolutely. so there you go. So yeah, you do choose, right. you know, Absolutely. So Absolutely. Sure, great example of it, I think. And uh, with uh, John the Baptist and, um, and his mother and father, the same thing. That's right. So, that's right. Uh, absolutely. Well, and that's why bloodlines were so important. You know, they, they could trace their bloodlines in, in the old Testament. So it was a big deal to them. And it's because blood carries energy yeah. and, I think we constantly change our DNA, right, through through higher levels of consciousness. Um, and I think that's why bloodlines can be altered and bloodlines can ascend. So, and you know, that, that brings me to another book that I'm going to start on in January, which um, the title of it is, If You Know It, Will It Come? Mm -hmm. A Controversial Look at Psychic Information. Because okay. I don't know... I don't know anybody who's 100% right. because we have a filter in our brain. But the more we practice, the more we work, the more we trust, the more it just comes out like a rock star, right? It just, it right. just flows out. And so, um, you know, in that book, we were talking about spiritual schools earlier and educating people on this. That is an educational book. That is going to be, you know, one of, one of my chapters is called The Deep Dark Woods. <laughs> We're going to talk about magnetic and why when you meet that person, the whole world disappears and you're magnetically engaged. You are linked, you are charged, and this powerful thing happens. And what does that mean anyway, right? right. So everything in the universe is set up with mathematics and magnetics. It's the best computer God could have ever made or we could have helped God make. Um, so I think that book is going to be a powerful book for people because we're going to talk about soul contracts. We're going to talk about soulmates and we're going to talk about soulmates versus spirit mates. And what's the difference? And we'll talk about the levels of light and we'll talk about the twin flame, which doesn't happen a lot down here because that's a pretty treacherous thing to, 
choose your twin flame. And even if you are a spiritual person, it's a really tough thing to overcome when the spiritual flame leaves the third dimensional reality. Um, I want to talk about parallel lifetimes, you know, so I'm going to cover a lot of things in that second book. Right. All right. I'm going to pause for a minute. Uh, We're going to come back for our second half in just a second, covering a lot of material here. So we'll be back for part two in just a second. Okay. We're back for part two with the, Tiffany Hicks, Tom and I here at the Metaphysical Mysteries, and you were just talking about bloodlines kind of in the, in the book you were going to, um, you know, the next one in the line. Uh, we want to talk about that. That sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting stuff and different topic matter that it sounds like almost like a hands, hands-on booklet, how to, how to do certain things or at least how to understand them. Exactly. And, I, and really, I think with people coming into uh, spirituality, it, it's a it's going to be a basic book. It'll go in depth, but I, I want to be able to get the point across to people where, like you and I have talked, it doesn't sound like we're speaking Greek. You know, we we need them to understand that basic language and the ins and outs of, of how this works. Um, so I think that's important, very, very important. The other thing that I think is very important is, you know, there is no one that's 100%. I'd say we're probably in the 90s. And I have a good friend who's an astrologer, and I read her. And she says, Pat, you're, you're excellent profiler. Your information's good. But, and I said, I know what you're going to say. Sometimes my timing is off. Because I can't predict free will. Nobody can. Right. And the other thing is, you know, astrologers can predict things to the minute because they're looking at transit that is an actual science, right? So I always say to people, have a really good medium in one pocket and an astrologer in the other, and you're good to go and be tuned in yourself and you got it made down here, you know? Absolutely. Unfortunately, I have an astrologer in the family, so. Oh, that is phenomenal. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, and then, uh, you know, so I think that, and you, we talked a little bit about that you do exorcisms or something, you know, that anybody that's in this field needs to be aware of. And if you're comfortable with it, they do it. If they're not comfortable, they tend to send you on to somebody who maybe specializes in that. And then ultimately, I think uh, a lot of people uh, think of the Catholic church uh, and their priests coming in and doing typically a pretty long uh, set of prayers and they bring in their, all their stuff they want to work with uh, to, you know, and they got people climbing on the ceilings and levitating in some of the more extreme cases. Uh, What's your experience has been in that and what would you recommend for uh, new, new uh, psychic mediums? Well, the first thing that I would say, uh, I call it Spirituality 101, and I do teach classes for individuals, um, and really I tailor it to that person if they're wanting to learn to use spiritual tools or if they're just beginning. And in the beginner's course, it's the very first thing I taught my children, which is never do anything spiritually major until you're centered, you're balanced, you're surrounded with the light, because the darkness will speak to you just like the ones in the light will speak to you. And it's your job to set your boundaries and to set your ground rules, right? Because when I was a child, I didn't get to see the angels. God didn't give that ability to me until my 20s. So I spent a lot of my life dealing with demons, dealing with stuck souls, dealing with troubled uh, troubled souls. So I always 
tell people or teach people how to set up a sacred space, how to align yourself. And it doesn't have to be a 30-minute preparation. You can do it in five minutes. You can do it in two minutes. But it's about setting your intent, and it's about putting up your boundaries. The Bible says test the spirit, and that's why. And it also says we shouldn't speak to the dead. And I would like to sort of uh, explain that a little bit because so many people are like, oh, mediums are bad. And, um, you know, this is what it says in the Old Testament, la, la. But, you know, the dead are people who are souls that are stuck. And they're stuck in their trauma. And they're stuck in their pain. And no, we should not consult with them because they don't know anything more than where they are. Right. That's all they know. And they're traumatized. Exactly. So it's really our job. And I think that there are many of us on the planet that are ordained to do the work. And what I tell people is humans don't ordain you. God does. That is a part of your soul contract. That is a part of your agreement that you came down here to do. So the ordination is within your soul and you're connected to your spirit in heaven. And so, you know, um, I would tell people, set your boundaries set your intent you can do it very quickly but we shouldn't consult with the dead because they don't know anymore it's our job to help them and the other thing that I would tell people is you're either called to that or you're not I don't think that's a field Terry you may feel differently about this but I don't think exorcisms are a field that anybody wakes up one day and says that looks interesting I want to do it Probably not. You no, know? yeah. no. You're, you're either called or you're not. <laughs> and I, I think that the reason being is because if you're called to that ability, you have the wherewithal within your soul. You have the substance within your soul and you have the genetic and soul predisposition and tools to handle that job. You're already equipped in your toolbox. If you're not called to do that, it can be very dangerous. Yes. That, that's kind of a dangerous territory that I don't think people should tread easily. And my aunt said to me one time, Tiffany, I think there's doorways that just need to be shut or that need to stay shut. They should never be open. And I said, that's why people call me because when they open up a doorway, it needs to be closed. And we often right. talk about the uh, slumber parties with the 14-year-old girls and oh, board and, and, and yes. we, we caution and caution and caution. And yet, yes. I still get those all the time. And, you know, you, know, you know, one I had was kind of funny, and but it was scary at the same time for these girls in that they were doing the Ouija board thing. And all of a sudden, they had that four girls there and they had a parrot, a bird, in the room. And all of a sudden, the parrot started speaking language. Wow that it had never, it's not, I mean, it was English, that's all it knew, a few yeah. words, but it started right. speaking all kinds of different languages that were foreign languages, and that's because the demon came out, the demon went into the that's bird, right. and, right. so, and then after that was over, the bird wasn't too exciting for it, and it attached to one of these girls. She had it from the time she's 14 till she's 40. Oh, no, a that's a great example of that, that's yep. a great example of that, and you know, I, I think I think that that's why, Terry, there has to be books like this. There has to be classes. And I think that's why there's got to be these spiritual schools that I've seen are going to be erected over the next five to 20 years because that's the next level of consciousness. And we've got to have a school system to educate. 
and I want to point out, this brings exactly, you're on target because back in the, we talked about the Old Testament times, you know, and then we had the prophets. But what people don't realize is those, though they were kids at some point and they were identified by the, their parents, the rabbi, whatever the case may be. And I'm kind of going to the Jewish side because there was actual prof prophetic schools they sent them to, mystery school. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. we them and so they would go and learn from their elders how to do this get better and better and then they would go out people just think they just randomly all of a sudden got tapped on the head and now you're samuel or ezekiel or not no 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 they were a little right. kid one time and somebody said hey you got these abilities we need to send you to school that's exactly right that's it you know i think then that's such a good point terry because it was a very sacred rite of passage. It wasn't anything that was just thought of or you did. It was taken very, very seriously. And again, I think that it was also taken seriously because the consciousness at that time was we need each other. We need each other to survive. Now in our world of technology, and it's, it's a blessing and kind of a curse, but um, even with COVID and having to be physically separated, you know, we, we have our own lives. We have our own paths. We, we, you know, children don't grow up and live in the same little town or village that their parents. They, they grow up and they move away. And we're a global culture now. So we're all over the world. And I think that there's not a consciousness of we need each other. And this one in the family is doing this. And that one, you know, you said it earlier. I have someone in the family that's an astrologer. That's awesome. That's that kind of consciousness of we're a family, we're a team, everybody has a different uh, gift, and we all throw it in a pile, and we all function together. Yeah, and you know, one thing, uh, speaking of exorcisms and things, uh, my, my uh, family member who has these abilities also sees all the dead folks, and sees the demons, okay. and okay. the holy angel, and, you know, the whole bit, and, and not that I don't, it's just that it's so easy for this family member and one of the times um they had indicated as we were i wasn't paying attention i was doing a kind of an exorcism thing and i was paying attention doing my going through my routine i was doing um and my family member was watching in the spirit what was going on and the, the demons were walking up to people and licking them on the cheek to test oh. and, and he says they're and I knew what he was doing, but I said, testing their fear, whether yeah. they could be around. And I said, so uh, what did he do with me? He goes, he ran before he got anywhere close to you outside. And he's way the hell over there and don't want anything to do with you. And he mm -hmm. said, he wouldn't have anything to do with me either. And he says, but these other people, he licked them to taste their fear, to see whether he could do anything. Now that's really creepy for most people to understand, but it goes to your point about keeping your light, knowing who you are and not having the fear because, you know, they're low vibration. I mean, yeah, they have some power. They can push things around and, you know, mm -hmm. so forth, but you have power and authority. And that's, have right. that's that's exactly right. You're you're exactly right. Spot on about that. And you know, it's it's not. Um, how do I say this? I had a case one time, Terry, and she was a a doctor, PhD at Vanderbilt, mm -hmm. and she had a full demonic possession. We went to the house to do some clearing work, never having any idea it was her until we got into it and you know spirit reveals things as you can handle them <laughs> because 
I'm not sure at the time if we knew that it was inside of her. I think there would have been fear. Um, even though that was what we were there for, I don't think we realized it was the size that it was. And right. it was as much in possession as it was. So, you know, spirit revealed that to us when we're in the middle of the process and her hands sort of look like claws and she was contorting and she was vomiting and she was screaming. And that is sort of the old fashioned exorcism that we do. You know, my husband is sort of my um, protector. I call him my dragon. And that, that's another chapter in that book uh, is dragons and medium. And every psychic medium really has a dragon and they are a very spiritual protector my husband has taken uh hits bites bruises everything for me so that they don't get to me because when you're given the authority to cast out you know you're you're the one that they want to take out That's first right. and foremost right and so um going from the old-fashioned exorcisms to uh, the new way or the, this other way of clearing spiritual response therapy, most of my people will feel a sharp pain in their head or they'll feel, um, you know, like a little bit of uh, cold or have pain in their body or they'll get emotional, but then it'll pass. So they're usually always very cognizant that the demon is leaving or the entity is leaving. Right. Um, you know, when I, I've, I've had it go out of the ceiling and crack ceiling i mean like the whole the whole ceiling cracked like it was going to come down so they definitely make their presence known but i think that we're in a very powerful time i think that we're in a time where people are uh like the couple that tom talked about that lost their daughter they've got a shift they've got a shift if they want peace they got to open their hearts and their minds to her and So, Taffney, let's talk a little bit, um, change top- topics here and talk about protection uh, for people who are, you know, getting into this field or just hear about it. You know, I mean, obviously, for most most part, it's mental work. And, and how would you go about doing that? Well, I think for anyone, salt or holy water is our best friend. And I think you're correct. It's setting the intent within that. You know, that's what the holy water is. It's uh, a little bit of salt and water, and then it's a... Uh, ceremonial ritual that is put into the water and we can actually make that ourselves. according to dr hannah kroger we can make our own holy water um salt water is excellent and uh tar water is really really good for putting around the house because i think that whenever you're called into service um it you know yes we're focused on the light yes we're focused on our path yes we're focused on connecting people to the angels and the spirit world of light but we have to remember that the darkness doesn't want us to become conscious it doesn't want us to remember where we came from and where we're going and so what it does is it creates massive amounts of fear and attack to keep us from really standing in our nature which is you know the angels always say you have the birthright you are the children of light you have a divine birthright And no one can ever take that away from you. The only thing that they can do is get you to try to give it up. Right. And a demon and a dark soul can't come unless they're invited. Right. They're going to test you and they're going to try you. But if you rebuke them and send them away, they're not allowed to stay. 
but you have to know who you are. You have to stand in that. And again, I think that protection classes are extremely important. Black tourmaline is amazing for protecting the home, uh, bearing a black tourmaline in each corner after it's been blessed or consecrated. Also, um, by your doorstep, I, I had a person who told me, she said, Tabney, I swear that black tourmaline works because she said, I put it on top of the door frame where the molding is. And the UPS man came to my house and he had a package and she said, I opened the door and said, oh, come in. And she said, he went to put his foot over the threshold and he stopped and looked at me and pulled his foot back and said, uh, that's okay. And handed me the package. Now tell and me again said, what that was. Tell the listeners what that was. Black tourmaline. So we're Other talking than, about a stone. We're talking about crystals. Yes, Stones, okay. Yes. Right. And other than the quartz crystal, which, you know, can be programmed and right. programming is so real because I tell people energy is energy. It's the, the first rule of physics. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form and crystals uh, have memories and they can store things. So we know that if, if they're in computers, they're in watches. And so it holds that electromagnetic energy field, which is a memory or a consciousness, right? So um, black tourmaline is excellent, even if you wear it, have it blessed. Those things are important because it creates a force field or an energy field within your auric field. And we're going to see in the next five to 10 years, the angels have told me, we're going to see major um, advancements in medical technology like we've never seen before. And correct. yes, and they've also told me that a lot of Nikola Tesla's work is going to come to the forefront. God bless him. He was brilliant and, and got murdered for it at the end. But um, his work will come full circle. And we're going to see a lot of healing through electromagnetic energy and energy fields. And we're just scratching it. It's sort of like anti-gravity. We're just beginning these things, right? right? It's yeah, been around for a long time, but they've been kiboshed. I will let, I'm going to let, because this is getting into what Tom does, because we, right. we both do it, but I do sound and, and I do light and he's doing the electromagnetic. I've got some of those things too, but okay. Tom, tell, her, tell her what you're doing and as it relates to some of these things from a clinical point of view. Yeah, for the uh, the balancing of the fields, the human biofields, you'll have disruptions and we can go in and clear out the disruptive energy. Or as I call it, like when you have a brand new computer, it runs great. And after about six months to a year, it's had crashes, glitches, and viruses. And we can reinstall the program through a patch to get it back to normalcy. And then the, the body runs properly, both emotionally and physically. So it's pretty That's cool. We have the tools to now do diagnostics and within seconds tell where those imbalances are and then figure out how to go correct them. That is absolutely brilliant. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. And don't you think too, Tom? Yep, we lost you. There you go. Okay. Okay. So Tom so yeah, Tom, what I was saying is, don't you think that traditional medicine has it a little bit backwards, as great as traditional medicine is, it thinks it starts within the cellular structure and goes out, and it doesn't. It starts in the electromagnetic energy field and goes inward to the cell. And then when it hits the cell, then we've got a real problem because it's in the density of the third dimensional world. And it's, it's a pretty dense field, right? 
And so, um, so I think your work is brilliant. And so it sounds like to me that what you're doing is like biofeedback on steroids. Is that kind of what it is? In a lot of ways. I mean, the human biofield has a norm of what a human body should be. We have our own expressions of that. And so we go back to the base norm and make the correction at the core levels and then personal expression is thereafter. So okay. it works pretty well so far. Um, but to your point, there's a need for both. You need the traditional medicine. Right. Sometimes. Um, but truly, um, the, the best healings, if you will, is really a, that I've accomplished has been by clearing out those energies and letting the person's body heal itself at that point. So I always okay. say it's not me. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> That's good, yeah. That makes total sense. Well, well it's, a lot, I think it's a lot like the ancient um, alchemy uh, where, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with emerald tablets and so forth, but if you actually break that down, there's some of it in the Bible, but they're talking about things beginning, you know, out in the spirit. They go into the mind or the emotional field. If they stay into the emotional field long enough, it will eventually wow. manifest in the physical in an illness or injury, you know, whatever it is. And uh, that's how we create because, you know, I always say, um, you know, a zebra begets a zebra, an elk tree begets an oak tree and a creator, God yeah. creates what? Little creators. That's us. You're all little, you're all little spark of God. So uh, one, God's not scared of demons. So we shouldn't be Two, God creates things and we do every day. I don't think we recognize that we're creating a whole life stream and what we choose to do is up to us. And if you want to get sick and I kind of use the old Fred Sanford and son, you know, he used to put his hand on his heart, Elizabeth, I'm coming. You know, he'd say that <laughs> if you keep doing that long enough, you will have that big one, the heart attack uh, because you're creating it and manifesting it um from that emotional field and and so and that's why you have to be careful with your words yeah, you know, right. tell people what show that's from because there's some people not quite as old as you they're going to need to go <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago you go back into your uh what is it uh me tv and maybe you can watch, watch reruns of the old uh junkyard uh fred Sanford Sanford. And yes, yes, fred. a lot of fun yeah. So, Tom, I want to ask you a question. And, sure. Carrie, I keep picking up something for each one of you. And, Tom, I want to address yours first. Um, you know, when I started praying about the podcast, I kept getting over and over that we needed to talk about that point where the spiritual light emanation connects to the cellular structure. Mm-hmm. Tom, that has something to do with your purpose down here. The other thing that I get about you is I, and, and I don't know a lot about this. I know a lot of people talk about it, but I do pick up like Atlantean energy. Uh, they're telling me that you're a groundbreaker. And it's like, I see the ground just breaking. It's like you come in to take a system of learning and, shift it and elevate it in such a way that uh, people are ready for, they're, they're saying that you tend to show up on the planet when people are ready to change their consciousness. So you tend to come in at bigger intervals where the shifts are. And you're a groundbreaker. They're saying that you're, you're really not afraid at all. And you can move forward however you need to move forward. 
but you always come in with an intelligent brain because for you, intelligence is a really big deal. You're in your head a lot and it has to make sense a lot. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But they keep saying that you emphasize, okay, I'll come into that bloodline, but I'm going to have an extremely intelligent brain because I got business to do down here. And um, they're also saying that one of the things that you've always come in with on the planet is they're using the word credentials, like, like really research and uh, we would call them PhDs or licenses or certifications. And I don't, you know, whatever place in history you came in, you, you always sort of have the same patterning because what I hear is people trust you and they trust you because you can intellectually communicate with them. And that's sort of, that's sort of your strong arm, like they're showing me a big muscular arm and they're saying that, that you've always relied on that and that's sort of been a requirement of you coming back into the earth. They're also telling me that you're more connected with Arcturian energy, which is technology. And we're going to see advancements in that like we talked before. And you're, you're always gonna be on the cutting edge, but they're going back to, uh, that 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 point so i'm going to ask them to just really make this clear whatever the message is um of where the light meets the cell and how the light oh there you're going to study death okay i understand now they're saying in order for you to find the point of light that connects to the cellular level you have to study death because you can't study life because the sperm and the the egg meat and they're saying you're just not invited into anybody's bedroom right <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're saying you can't learn i know so you can't really find that point of origin when it starts but you can find it when it ends mm -hmm. and they're saying that <clears throat> um, when that happens you're going to see some sort of cellular or molecular change and they're also saying that through your equipment, it will be known and measured and understood. Oh, that's what you're down here for. They just said, you're down here to prove that we live on. You're down here to prove that because they're saying so many people are, are atheists or they just believe that we're a biological life form that doesn't take on anything else and so they don't really know it's, it's not always about god the angels are saying but they're saying they don't really even know about themselves right and if you don't know that you exist how can you believe in god hmm, that's the thought Interesting. So, yeah hey, no sweat tom you can handle that piece of cake that's left left pocket oh you, yeah. listen you've got it man you've got it yeah so they're they're saying that difficult <laughs> well they're saying that you're going to give credibility to our, our soul emanation and us as an energy form. And then the next thing they're showing me, Tom, is, okay, have you guys watched some paranormal shows on TV where I don't remember what this technology is called? Uh, I would love to have one. I don't have one. But it's like a video camera. And when the spirit enters the room, it shows them as a sick person. Yep. And, Okay. I was just so telling him that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. There's a the message is coming through again, Tom. So they're saying that it's like 
we've got that technology, you know, and I've even seen on that documentary where they said to the spirit, okay, if you're so-and-so, or if you're really there, can you wave to us? And the stick hand came up and waved. So, you know, if for some reason, there are, there are people that cannot see, or maybe they refuse to see, so they stay stuck in their humanness. Maybe that's it. And they can learn more through computer technology because that's where they put the credibility. And Tom, that's where you come in on the planet. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Did, that did, did you want to ask her about what happened uh, the day you connected with uh, one of my family members? That's pretty cool because you were trying to understand that. Yeah. And, uh, or I can tell her if you don't want to, either way. No, I guess I can tell. Um... I was hesitant to tell the story. We did it though in the interview. So what the heck is out? Yeah. Because anyone that hears it's going to really think I've completely lost what's left of my mind, so to speak. <laughs> um, so I was doing a remote healing for Terry's son because um, we we said who it was before. And I'm at home and he's in another state. He didn't know I was working on him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And as we were clearing out some of the challenges, all of a sudden I let out a single, like a <clears throat> kind of cough, nothing crazy, just a single thing. And from that emanated a grayish cloud and it had a very um, electrical smell to it. So of okay. course I immediately thought my computer was on fire, you know, <laughs> click that it was coming out of me. And I'm looking under the desk for a you know, fire issue and there's nothing there. And I'm thinking, crap, I'm on fire. What the heck is this stuff? But it had a very rancid electrical smell. Mm -hmm. Um, His son didn't know I was working on him. Terry didn't know I was working on him. But I write down the date and time when I'm doing stuff. And I think we spoke the next day. Mm -hmm. And uh, as it turned out, at the time I was doing this work, his son was vaping. Oh, things are terrible. Okay. That makes sense. He doesn't doesn't do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Well, lung ailment that since that day, Terry, correct me if I'm wrong, he has not had that problem again. No, no, he hasn't. Oh my gosh, that's phenomenal. Well, let me tell you what they're saying about that, Tom. Uh, and it's it's in my brain. It's like it's what they're showing me. Um, so I'm going to try to put the words to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, scientists, and I'm sure you know about this study. Scientists have taken. Uh, cells and they've separated them and put them in two petri dishes right in two different locations and then then they did something to the one cell and it affected the other cell in the other petri dish right and so okay the angels are showing me that and they're saying jesus said what you do to the least you do to the whole and because they're saying we've got it all backwards like we're inside out what they're saying is we're energy first and then the energy is tethered to a physical form. So it's like traditional medicine thinks it's cellular, but it's not. It's energetic, and then it goes to the cells. And so they're saying that what happened, Tom, is that you're resonating in the electromagnetic energy fields of spirit, which means you're no longer contained in your physical form or tethered to it. In other words, there's more freedom outside of you, which means you can move energy, but also... Um, they're saying that that when you worked on him and there was that release or that effect that came through you, well, for various different reasons, they're saying, one, because you needed to know that this was for real. Mm-hmm. So that, ex- 
experience was allowed through you and through your electromagnetic energy field because you were in his and then it came through you on a cellular level mm -hmm. and manifested in the third dimensional frequency. And they're saying that um, the second thing is, is that it came through you because you are a stronger being physically. So they're saying you could discharge almost those poisons where his system, uh, what's the word they're trying to give me, was more um, uh, uh, clustered or cramped or uh, I Just can't get the word. What is it? Congested, maybe? Yes, that's it. Yes, yes, that's it. His system was so congested that I don't know if he would have had that kind of release the way that you did. So it's almost like you did it for him. And what they're saying is we don't, we don't realize the connections that we can make. And then they're giving me an example. Like when I was pregnant with my third child, uh, it was the only one my second husband and I had together. And um, I would get so sick. Oh, dear God, I had sickness. It wasn't morning. It was 24 hours a day, seven days a week for eight weeks. I thought I was going to die. And I'm a pretty tough girl. And um, he would text me out of nowhere at work and he would say drink the pickle juice because that was the only thing that settled my stomach but he would get sick he had to pull over going to work some mornings because he was nauseated what we were doing was connecting on an electromagnetic energy frequency that was higher than our bodies and we were both tethered to this child mm -hmm. on a, a spiritual soul energetic and physical body so what i felt he felt does that make sense? I've had that experience before. I had that when my father passed. I was another state away, and I instantly really? weak and had to sit down. And in retrospect, when we look back, it was the exact time of his passing. Tom, you must be clairsentient, and you must be empathic, because oh, that's, that's actually he's in denial. I've been telling him. <laughs> oh well, listen, Mister. I think that the angels are fixing to shatter that denial pretty soon because you're brilliant. And you, you tend to always show up when we need you on the planet around, uh, they're using the word provability. And um, one other thing, Tom, I wanted to tell you, you had a pretty intense life in Rome. They keep showing me Roman soldiers uh, uh, with the red. And they're also saying that you were a leader in that lifetime. And they're, they're showing me a book. And they're telling me that you began to author a book. It was like you were a leader or a teacher and you began to author that book, but you didn't finish that book. They're also saying you're going to write that book before you leave the planet. Hmm. Yeah. What's the book because, about? <laughs> well, they're, they're saying you don't, well, it's really about your technologies and your findings. And, you know, it's, it's, it's what I said, God is science and science is God. There's, there's really no separation. You're going to find the middle, Tom. You're going to find where they meet in the middle and you're going to give the provability. And what I'm hearing is that you have to remember nobody went up against the Catholic church. Nobody. So do you remember, you know, in, in Rome and in Italy, uh, was it, forgive my ignorance, was it Galileo that said the world's round? And they thought it was flat and look at what he went through. So what they're saying is you were really repressed and held back in that life. And um, you also have a fear. 
of stepping into this because of the atrocities of the things that you saw. And I do think you saw some people thrown to the lions because I keep seeing lions and a lion's den. So I must have been a big deal in Rome. I don't know, but that's what I'm seeing at this time period. And I don't think that you scrapped it or burn it. I think you just said, okay, the time's not right now. In another time, whenever that is, I'll complete this project. And so what they're telling me, Tom, is just like I had to face my fear of being burned at the stake again as a witch and that I needed to overcome that. You needed, you need to overcome the fear that's holding you back, which you really didn't know what the fear was. You really didn't know. And you thought you were more in your logical mind, but the, the, the fear has actually uh, driven you to an intellectual standpoint. So in the end, it's going to serve its purpose as the best right? Because you've got to prove these things. Right. So, so in the end, your fear will serve you because you'll, you'll go through this consciousness or this metamorphosis, which by the way, you're already in is what I hear. And then you'll be able to pull together uh, science and spirituality mm-hmm. and then go to the place where they meet. I'm so excited for you, Tom. And that's the goal. And I think I know the book. Terry knows what I've been working on with a friend of mine in Pennsylvania for four years. We've, through technology, we've developed a method that people that have had major psychological traumas, we're able to go to the biofields, clear them in one session, and they never have to tell us what the trauma is. Really? Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. That's a huge breakthrough. That's a huge breakthrough. Very cool to watch. If you've seen all the standard techniques and then you see this, you're like, this is, you know, gate gateway stuff into a whole new realm. Yeah. So they're, they're doing great. So, but, but they are telling me that you young lady, um, your best stuff is yet to come. Your, your, your stuff is yet to come Um, in your lifetime. You have got more coming than uh, let's see. I took a couple of notes on that. Um, it's going to be a bit of a tribulation, but from a tribulation comes a growth. And it says, uh, be not afraid for it was planned, so shall it be. Your greatest achievements are yet to come. Stay focused and prayerful and allow the flow to continue to enhance. And says, we are with you always. Um, but, you know, so you're going to find solace uh, in and comfort in, in a love perspective. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that later with you, but I just briefly, I wanted to pass that along to you. Um, it was a real short and sweet because I was just coming on. I told you uh, before we connected tonight that, you know, things were starting to flow and there's, there's some more there and I'll, I'll deal with that, you know, after bit, but uh, so anyway, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this has been fascinating. I know you're running out of battery, so I think we'll close this up. I'm sure we'll talk later and uh i tell you what this was amazing it was a lot of fun and i as i told you you don't know how good you are thank you no and and i I just always want to stay humble and i just tried you know it's like i want to hit an accomplishment for my clients and then i want to go beyond that for my clients i want to give them the best that i can do and the best i've got you know that's important to me absolutely fascinating we've enjoyed having you and i'm sure we'll have you back and We've talked about our live cast coming up and you would be a fantastic guest to have on the live cast. And I, I think we are going to make that happen, you know, sometime in the winter, um, you know, before, uh, before spring, we'll make that happen. 
Okay. Thank you guys so much for inviting me, you know, trusting me, bring, bringing me on to all of your viewers. And I, I've just had the best time ever. This is, oh. it. I can just keep channeling. So thank you so much, you and Tom both. And my prayers are with both of you. You're going to do such fabulous things on earth. It's, it's been great to be with you both. Fantastic. Well, for all you folks out there listening, uh, Tom and uh, Taffney and I from the Metaphysical Mysteries, we hope you've enjoyed this two-part series. And uh, Taffney, tell them where you, they can get a hold of you. And about your um, book. Well, yeah, thank you, Tom um, and Terry. So my book is called Angel Light, and I'll probably be changing the cover soon. I think I'm going to rework it. It's on Amazon, and they do have it on Kindle now. So um, you can order that. And my other books, I'm going to start them in January. Hopefully, I'm going to be having them on the press next year and having them um, ready to order. They are welcome to contact me at my cell number, 270-705-1081. They can text me or call me, leave me a voicemail. I work Tuesday through Friday, and um, I will get them booked if they want to set up a time to book. Got to be perfect. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. And we'll pop that book up on the screen so everybody can see it. And uh, we'll get all your uh, contact info and we'll make sure that that's available to the uh, listeners and uh, the viewers. And uh, we will, I'm sure you'll, if you're two months out now, you'll be two years out time we get done. So that'll be, that'll be a good thing. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Very good. All right, folks. Well, we'll talk to you at the next episode and we'll go from there. Thanks so much.